everyone. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Commanders. This is your host, Cole, also known as Eclipse Meteor, and today I am joined by Josh. Josh, how's it going? Going very well. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Josh, you, you and I are part of a small streamers uh, group of Magic players. Uh, Phil, a.k.a. Junehawk, who was a previous guest on the show, he's kind of wrangled us together uh, as a sort of repeat... Uh, repeat feature guests on his stream, and uh, you you bring some pretty interesting decks to the table. Oh, well, uh, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, uh, for those uh, for your listeners, uh, we do uh, play on Twitch on uh, you know, on Sundays. Um, so check out Junehawk's channel if you guys have a chance. Uh, and yeah, uh, we try to play some interesting decks that are uh, typically. Um, I guess uh, within the power range that uh, you know that we're we're primarily focused on having fun. So Valduk, the deck that we're highlighting today, I feel is uh, reflective of that, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it. So yeah, so today's episode we're talking about Valduk, Keeper of the Flame, who's from the Dominaria set, uh, uncommon legend. Uh, it's two and a red human shaman. That's a three-two. And the text says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, for each aura and equipment attached to Valduke, Keeper of the Flame, create a 3-1 red elemental red creature token with trample and haste. Exile those tokens at the beginning of the next end step. Um, what's really interesting about your deck uh, from an earlier version that you've shared with me in your current iteration is that you pretty much have a fairly equal balance between equipment, which is a pretty... Uh, if you look it up online or, or, or look up some lists, you find that there's a favoritism towards equipment. But in this one, you actually have quite a number of, of auras as well. Definitely. Uh, I feel that with Valduk, the equipment route is probably the uh, uh, the more synergistic route uh, from the standpoint of having a consistent board presence with him. Um, but the aura route just seems like you know, it was so much more fun and appealing to me that I, I decided to go with that. And uh, as I've changed the deck a little bit, uh, I have shifted more towards having that even split, uh, more or less, uh, just to allow Valduk to uh, continue doing what he does in a less fragile way than than it was before. But nevertheless, still, still is fun. I think. Uh, I just think. Uh, considering Valduk's a pretty um, a fairly interesting legendary creature that it still gives you that openness but because of the mentality of I think of the average commander player you'd prefer having resources more readily uh, readily available and there's a huge synergy with artifacts throughout Magic's history so still being able to focus on auras which is not a typical red strategy. You'd expect sort of an Enchantress build, maybe in sort of the Selesnya colors. Um, so ha choosing on purpose to choose to select auras and have more of an immediate uh, immediate impact and value by having it just simply enter and equipping to a creature like that, that's interesting and really exciting to talk about. Definitely. I, I kind of wanted to do that because I feel that uh, that's sort of red's meta uh, you know, we, of course, we usually see this in the form of like uh, combat tricks, uh, burn spells, and such. But uh, 
having uh, cheap auras that I can just put on a creature right away in a uh, in a way that I'm you know trying to get some value out of, but also reflect the that that meta of red, which is trying to uh, I guess play from a standpoint of um, using you know raw power into motion and such. Uh, uh, I think is reflected well with the cheaper auras that I I selected for the deck. Uh, but before we go kind of talking about the the auras that you've put in the deck and sort of the other enchantments, uh, let's talk about the bulk of the creatures uh, that sure. you've decided to put in the deck. So I'm looking at your list, and you only have 11 creatures. Um, and all of these have some pretty neat utility uh, with the deck. Um, so first off, we got Bloodmark Mentor. It's a one red and... Uh, one generic, 1-1 one, one Goblin Warrior that says, red creatures you control have first strike. Uh, first strike as an ability, especially coinciding with the trample and haste of your elemental creature tokens, as well as Valduke possibly being an attacker, uh, first strike just has a lot of utility and value in a deck like this. Okay, yes, and that's... Uh, that's it, it's kind of a dual purpose here. Not only does it... Uh, it give that extra oomph to those uh, elementals that I that I'm creating, but uh, there are other cards in the deck that we'll likely discuss later uh, that make them a little more dangerous than uh, they would be if they didn't have first strike. So the first strike is, uh, you know, also in here as a way to try to dissuade uh, blockers, since these tokens will uh, go away at the end of uh, at the you know at the end step. Yeah. Um, next on the list here, we got uh, Dark Dweller Oracle. It's one in red for a 2-2 Goblin Shaman, which says, one, sacrifice a creature, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Um, I've seen the value of this card, and red red always is, is desperate and, and needs some kind of card advantage. Turning your tokens into maybe even just one, maybe even two... Um, and as the game goes on and you have more, more mana available, you're more incentivized to sacrifice a group of creatures for two, three, four, five mana and be able to cast things off the top of your library. Uh, and, and the overall curve of your deck is also pretty low, so you're, you're able to get your card advantage and not feel like you're falling behind. Exactly. You know, I might as well do something with those tokens since they are, like I mentioned, uh, leaving at the end step, so, uh... Dark Lord Oracle is perfect. Uh, gives me that impulsive draw. Gives me a chance to uh, come into a card that I really need, or maybe just into another artifact or enchantment that uh, might benefit my my board state at that point. Uh, next on the list here, you got Harmonic Prodigy from the recent Modern Horizons two. It's one in a red for one three human wizard with prowess, and um, if an ability of a shaman or another wizard you control triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. Who doesn't want Valduke to trigger two times, creating a potentially uh, ridiculous board? Like, uh, the Harmonic, Harmonic Prodigy is just a, a bonkers card. I love it. It is, and for as low cost as it is to, uh, you know, slap on the, uh, on the board, its payoff is beyond useful in, in this deck. And also... You know, it's magic, you know, so making uh, more creatures uh, for a relatively low cost is uh, really fun. So Harmonic Prodigy, 
one of my favorites in the deck. Yeah, as as um as a friend of the show, Peter, aka Mono White Border, has said uh, before that by doubling effects in Commander as a aggro player is incredibly important because of uh, if there's no combos or you don't really have a uh, alternative strategy to win the pretty bog standard way of playing the game is uh, is attacking opponents and being able to double up damage or double up the number of creatures that you're putting into play is incredibly valuable Definitely. and I, I think that uh, you had mentioned there uh, something that is very true to the deck it is uh, meant to be an aggro deck first and foremost so uh, you definitely need something that'll help you try to uh, get more value more quickly and so uh, harmonic prodigy is is again just very low costed very efficient in doing what it does and uh, hopefully we'll get you to a point where you can take out your opponent before they can take you out so yeah uh, to continue the pain train uh, we got hellrider next on this list it's two and double red for a three three devil with haste whenever a creature you control attacks hellrider deals one damage to the player or planeswalkers attacking uh, this card always kind of seems to be on a list that involves tokens or uh, really interesting or just creatures that are uh, need to get their damage through. But what I like is that Hellrider deals the damage even if it doesn't attack. And um, because you don't even necessarily need Valduke's elementals to go through um, because Hellrider enables that damage, like, at least a, a ping of damage going through if you send, let's say, three creatures towards a an opponent with a lot of blockers. Right, and uh, I, given that you mentioned that Hellrider is doing the damage, I think that in decks that uh, focus more on the equipment strategy, if you have uh, equipments that might give certain keywords to creatures, you know, like Lifelink and uh, Death Touch especially, Hellrider is going to be very effective if you attach one of those things to him before you swing out with... Uh, tokens because now you've got um, extra value there. so yeah bringing the pain and also just getting you something in return uh, yeah really really sweet card if you copy if for whatever reason maybe not necessarily this deck but in other decks where you get to copy a hell rider it can get it can get pretty ridiculous really quickly um gotcha. next up on the list pretty simple and pretty self-explanatory iron mirror a two mana one one mirror that taps for a red mana. This is just a form of ramp, and it's it works. Yeah, just a cheap ramp, and uh, mirrors are pretty cool too. So, uh, Kazul, Tyrant of the Cliffs, a three and double red, five four Ogre Warrior. Whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks, if you're the defending player, create a three three red Ogre creature token, unless that creature's controller pays three. Uh, this is reds, pretty much as far as I'm aware, like very straightforward and only predominant uh, protection type of effect. Everyone else has um, you know, a ghostly prison or something like that. This this is Red's answer to that. Right. Uh, this is, I think, the, the most substantial of those protection spells that, uh, or, you know, protection from combat. I suppose, for, from combat that, uh, that Red has access to. Um, and because I'm not uh, very creature-heavy in the deck, aside from the tokens that I'm generating, which I don't have uh, any way to make those tokens stay on the board after uh, the turn ends, I'm going to need a little bit of, uh, you know, a bit of 
defense, and Kazul provides that uh, because it does uh, trigger for each attacking creature. So. Uh, and I, I've, I found most people aren't incentivized to pay for the three mana. Like, sometimes effects like this kind of only come for one or two, like a cost of one or two, but Kazul puts it just a bit higher. That makes it like, well, if I'm attacking you with one creature, it's not that big of a deal. If I'm attacking you with multiple ones, it's probably not worth it. Um, and then you throw in your Bloodmark Mentor from earlier, and if they don't, if they fail to pay, you now have a 3-3 three, three Red Ogre with first strike on the defense. Oh yeah, definitely, and um, it's also uh, it's also a good way to uh, make sure that you have uh, some creatures that'll just uh, you know support your aggro strategy also. Because uh, Ul himself is uh, pretty beefy at five four, and if uh, your opponents are swinging in with creatures that uh, you know they can get around. Uh, being blocked by these ogres that Kazul's uh, generating, that definitely adds more uh, fuel, fuel to the fire, so to speak, in your aggro strategy. It's a pretty sweet card. I love it. Um, next one, you got Cranko Ten Street Kingpin. Uh, I would consider this the less popular Cranko. Uh, it's a two and a red uh, for a one-two goblin. Whenever Cranko Ten Street Kingpin attacks. Uh, put a plus one counter on it, then create a number of one one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krenko's power. Like you had mentioned in the pre-show discussion, that this was your lieutenant and sort of substitute of Valduk. It is. So if uh, Valduk is uh, you know under siege, if he's been removed one too many times, it becomes a little too expensive to cast out. Krenko's there to pick up the slack. Uh, a lot of the ores that I have in here and the equipment that I have on here. Uh, deal with uh, buffing power so you can definitely continue your your game and your strategy using him instead of Valduk uh, if it gets to that point or uh, if you're you have both of them out at the same time uh, you, you know you just double threat uh, bring in some auras or equipment to buff them up uh, make the elementals make some goblins uh, you know, those goblins are good fodder for blocking uh, and also for attacking uh, the next card on the list here, you got uh, Morag Fury of Akum from the Zendikar Rising set. It's four and double red for a 6-6 Minotaur Warrior. Each creature you control gets plus one plus zero for each time it has attacked this turn. It has a landfall ability of whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. If it's your main phase, there is an additional combat after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. Um, even Doing this once with your army of uh, your army of existing uh, elementals, uh, also in addition to triggering Valduke an additional time by re-entering combat, uh, this is a pretty strong effect to have in the deck. Definitely, uh, combat steps and Valduke work very well together. Um... I shied away from the, the sorceries that usually do that, especially the more expensive ones. Uh, since Morag is repeatable, I know that he costs six. Um, I figured that, uh, you know, again, it's just another way to try to uh, inject more energy into your strategy in this deck and uh, to get a little bit more payoff out of those tokens uh, before, before you pass the turn. 
I mean, I do, I do like the you play Mirage, uh potentially uh, even just playing like turn you you put your six land out, you play Mirage, and you go to combat. Head. Uh, Valduke makes th- a bunch of three ones, and then they become four ones on that attack. Uh, and then I think that like just yeah, incremental pumps ups, uh, pumping up your team as well as uh, additional cards that you have in the deck here that also pump up. It's just the value, the scaling value is just, uh, it, there's a lot of payoff that is really good. Definitely, and I think that uh, that same sort of mentality is reflected in the next card, the Ogre, Ogre Battle Driver. Uh, you want to read it? Oh yeah, uh, we got uh, two and two red, three three Ogre Warrior. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that creature gains plus two plus zero and gains haste until the end of the turn. Uh, right. Oh man, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, um, since those uh, tokens are fresh every turn, you know, you're getting that extra two points of damage in, possibly. Uh, that could be a big difference for an aggro deck like this. And uh, um, the Ogre Battle Driver is just one of those uh, one of those cards, you know. It's, it's good for token strategies in general, but uh, um, for this deck, it was one of those that I knew I had to put in uh, when I was first building the deck, and I'm, I'm very glad that I did because it has come in enormously handy on multiple occasions that I've played this deck before. I mean, I think I think everyone always underestimates um, anyone who has played this card before, I found, already knows how crazy it can get, so they tend to remove it. But I know a lot of people that have seen this card and don't really understand what's going to be happening next, and giving plus two plus O and haste on any creature that's entering the battlefield, there's, there's a lot of payoff. And uh, it can it can turn any any board that or an empty it could turn an empty board into an incredible threat out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely having uh, you know five fives swing at you uh, is bad enough, and having five uh, five ones I'm sorry swinging at you that have uh, trample and haste is uh, can be pretty backbreaking if uh, someone isn't prepared for that. I mean, we're we're only we're playing in a format where everyone starts off at forty life. Um, normally, early game plays might just simply be, well, I attack you with my my early mana dork or something if I'm not able to fully utilize it. But uh, Valduke in particular, I find like can very quickly create a small army, and even if you're only generating maybe three tokens per combat, um, having them all come out and be five ones like yeah you're sending 15 damage to an opponent and you don't care if these creatures die or not it's exactly. it's whoo i love red playing red's great and in this deck really just speaks to me uh this next card was one that uh really brings this deck together in terms of how ridiculous um how ridiculous it can be the the and also kind of ties into red sort of uh, philosophy of sort of a you put your whole body into the investment. Um, Storm Herald from Theros Beyond Death. Uh, it's a two and a red for a three two human shaman with haste. And when Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. Um, this is sort of 
the the way to make your auras not just simply be one-offs in case Valduke gets removed or the the auras get removed or something like that. Um, this can also just be an incredibly absurd backbreaking play if you bring this out and you have more than like five or six auras in your graveyard. Definitely. Uh, red doesn't have a whole lot of ways to recur uh, auras or enchantments out of the graveyard. So Storm Herald was uh, you know, instrumental to keeping the deck kind of chugging along if something bad happens, uh, as you had mentioned. So, uh, yeah, he, he can be pretty uh, useful for the main strategy for Valduk. Uh but even on his own, even if you have uh, something else to enchant, he can be a pretty good uh, one-off combat trick, so. Or uh, not combat trick, but rather um, lead up to combat, I should say. Yeah, and uh, there are a few cards in this deck that I think um, you can get extra value out of Storm Herald in case it gets destroyed and it gets put in your graveyard, or... Um, ways to cancel out its uh its ability of exiling those auras at the end step um and we'll we'll be mentioning that in a while uh but we'll talk about your last creature here thermopod which is another favorite of mine personally um it is a snow creature which does which might raise some eyebrows but we'll we'll go through that in a bit uh it's a four and a red for a four three snow creature slug it has snow thermopod gains haste until end of turn we're not going to be activating that ability i don't think um, but the other ability of sacrifice a creature, add red mana to your mana pool. Um, this is a way for you to go into your second main phase and utilize the elementals that survive combat. That's correct. Uh, so Thermopod is just a way, again, to squeeze a little bit more value out of what you're doing. Uh, and I think that uh, on its own with uh, Valduk, it gives you a chance to cast more uh, spells on your, you know, your second main uh, if you need to. Uh, but it also synergizes uh, pretty well with uh, other cards like uh, the Dark Lord, which just sack one of the elementals and it pays for that impulsive draw on itself. Um, yeah, it's there, there. There's definitely a lot of sort of a uh, lot of a lot of utility pieces that coincide with one another that really shores up the weaknesses of of a typical mono red deck. Um, so we're just going to skim through your sorceries and instants because you have so few uh, before we go talk about your enchantments here. Um, some of these are pretty self-explanatory. We have Cathartic Reunion, Faithless Looting, Tormenting Voice, and Thrill of Possibility, which is an instant. Um, each of these cards involves you uh, discarding and drawing cards um, as part of their cost and their effects. Um, Cathartic Reunion, Tormenting Voice, and Thrill of Possibility, they, part of the cost is discarding cards. Faithless Looting has you draw two and then discard two with Flashback for three. And then, uh, finally of your list here, you have a Blasphemous Act because sometimes the big red reset button is just simply a one-mana, a one-mana board wipe. Well, sometimes you need it, yeah. Uh, as, as fun as it would be to, uh, you know, keep all all of what you got going on, sometimes you just need to to uh, wipe the board clean. So, Blasphemous uh, Act is, uh, yeah, it's is just... also, uh, sorry, uh, is something also that 
that I think can work off of Eldic too. You know, you, you if you don't have enough creatures on maybe your opponent's side of the field, you can uh, your your creatures, the the elementals you generate off of Eldic, uh, will count towards spells cost. So uh, yeah, you could just swing in, and then after that, uh, whatever you have surviving will help you reduce the cost of this card. Yeah, it's a blasphemous act. Oh man! Anytime anyone's like, "Hold on, I'm counting creatures," that's kind of when you know what's happening next. Um, one of the last things I, I noted, um, and something that I have become a fan of, is that as Magic's uh, recent sets have come out, there's sort of been a lot of synergies that tie into the cathartic reunion, tormenting voice, thrill, possibility style of cards. Where, as part of the cost, you discard. Um, so there's been, at least to me, a lot of red cards that want you to discard because you're able to recur them later. Um, there's a few more red effects that uh, return, like return instant sorcery cards to your hand. Uh, the the Lorehold uh, school from Strixhaven, a lot of cards like you putting some stuff in early and then being able to recur them later. Uh, and in this case, you sometimes want auras in your graveyard early and if you happen to have a storm herald in your hand or a way for you to to get access to it very quickly um these sort of synergize with that deceptive play of having valduke out having all these cards in your graveyard and then throwing out a storm herald definitely uh yeah so it can uh be one of those things where you're kind of storing things for later if it gets to that point and i think that that's uh it's a pretty cool way of, uh, of uh, you know, using these cards uh, for utility. Uh, aside from just getting the card draw off of it, which is primarily what they're used for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, red, red, red is in that. Red's in the awkward spot where you can't just outright draw cards. And this is a pretty, besides impulse drawing, uh, this is a pretty neat alternative. Um, Alright, so now we're kind of at the what I would consider to be the real meat because of how enchantments, auras are in this style of deck compared to your artifacts. Um, this is sort of the give and take here of the two parts of Valduke. If you're playing equipment, uh, there is a sense of permanence because even if Valduke dies, the equipment still sticks around for utility later, but you have to pay the extra mana to re-equip them. Um, but in the Aura case, where it is definitely more fragile and um, has le you have far less of a chance of recurring it outside of a single card and or, or two cards, um, there's immediate value in putting these into play and putting them on Valduke. Right, exactly. Uh, a lot of the Auras that I selected in here are uh, low to the ground and meant to try to get you that immediate value. So, you know, you could try to get in that extra punch uh, sooner. Um, so uh, we're going to kind of blitz through these because some of these are pretty self-explanatory and uh, and as we go along some of them uh, uh, some of them are a little more nuanced. Uh, but let's start with just the base enchantments. Um, I, you have Goblin Bombardment, you have uh, Goblin Wardrums, Impact Tremors, you have uh, Outpost Siege, Shared Animosity, 
Um, you have Tooth and Claw and Underworld Breach, and then finally Warstorm Surge. Um, oh man, where do I get started with all of these? Uh, being able to utilize your your tokens on second main phases, just there's so much value here. Goblin Bombardment, being able to convert your 3-1 uh, elemental into just one damage at any target. Um, especially maybe if combat goes wrong or you need to change the math a bit. Um, you need to get rid of utility creatures. You need to get rid of uh, problem like problematic planeswalkers that might be uh, might be hampering your strategy. Uh, there's just Goblin Bombardment is the best way to go, and it's super neat. It is, and I am glad that this was reprinted because it's priced beforehand. So, uh, I think just out of when I was, uh, when I was making this day. Yeah. Uh, next one we have is um, oh no, Goblin War Drums. Uh, each attacking creature you control. Oh wait a minute. Oh, what's the errata on this? Because this is this is an old card. Yes. Uh, simply, it's uh, uh, creature you control have menace. That's ah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, this. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say just just evasion, more evasion. Uh, having having to be blocked by two creatures is just. Um, I don't know. It's just the there's just some beauty. I don't know. There's just some beauty in all of this of like, all right, my creatures have trampled. They can have first strike. They have menace. I'm going to hit you one way or another, and I'm gonna make you work for it. Exactly. It's uh, it's trying to. Uh, get the most out of what you can, and trying to, um, you know, make it a little tougher for your opponents to uh, sort of survive your your uh, your attacks. Uh, I think that in most token decks, you know, if you're making a lot of tokens, that's cool. But if uh, they get chumped, uh, it's maybe not always the most effective thing. But with uh, giving them a little bit more evasion, as you had said. It it becomes that uh, the thing where now your opponent is having to do uh, more work to figure out how they're going to block, what the math is going to come out to, and uh, it, it just fits particularly well with a token aggro strategy like this. Uh, the next enchantment you got here, you got Impact Tremors, one in red. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, Impact Tremors deals one damage to each opponent. Um, putting, uh, taking into consideration of, like, Hell Rider, Yorga Battle Driver, uh, taking into consideration, uh, Goblin Bombardment, there's just numerous ways for you to ensure some kind of damage is going through, and it doesn't, it isn't exactly just tied to, um, the elementals attacking. And in case someone happens to keep your board tapped for, uh, you know, maybe, um, Authority of the Consoles, or having a, um... Just having something that keeps your uh, creatures entering tapped, uh, you still a you're still able to have some kind of additional value, and it hits each opponent. Right, exactly. Uh, so the next one, uh, you have Outpost Siege. Um, now, I guess my question is, do you always prefer the Cons mode, which enables you to get a card, or do you actually use the Dragons mode? Uh, well, here it's uh, it's flexible, right? So I want to try to get as much flexibility out of some of these cards as I can. And with the Outpost Siege, if I'm in a position where I feel that uh, the Dragon's Mode, which will uh, you know 
deal damage to target player, to target creature player whenever uh, any of my my creatures leave the battlefield. Um, I'll go ahead and do that. Or if I feel that maybe I'm lagging behind with the cons mode, so that at my upkeep I will uh, exile the top card of my library and then have the chance to play that into the end of the turn. Yeah, it's. I'm so used to seeing cons mode that everyone seems to neglect the dragons mode. Um, but I feel in a deck like with Falduke where you're capable of, uh, if, if you're not keeping it into play through a certain effect, you're, you want the additional benefit of them leaving. And if you're not able to utilize them for mana or, or card advantage, uh, having them deal damage, I think is pretty neat. Um, Next card, Shared Animosity. Whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one, plus so for, until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. Um, yeah, again, ticking up the power of your elementals as they're attacking. You know, hey, if it's two of them, they both get uh, plus two. Or, no, they get plus one. It's always, they don't count themselves. It's always whatever else is in play, they get a plus one. But it's just, yeah, it's just Shared Animosity and a Tribal deck... Uh, it's pretty bonkers, but in this case where most of your attacking creatures are already elementals, uh, this this is this is pretty nutty. Yeah, uh, I've seen the power of shared animosity uh, both from uh, you know being the attacker and being the defender on the receiving end of something like this, and uh, giving it to a mass amount of creatures of shared creature type that already have trample is uh, you know just I guess the cherry on top of combat uh, here. Uh, you're likely going to be generating uh, plenty of elementals, so you'll you'll get a good return off of the mana that you're investing into this fight. Uh, just kind of rounding out the last bit of your standard enchantments here. Tooth and Claw, sacrifice two creatures, make a 3-1 red beast creature token named Carnivore onto the battlefield. This enables you to convert your temporary 3-1s into a permanent 3-1. Um, Underworld Breach. Uh, each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, or mana value, plus exiling three other cards from your graveyard in the beginning of your instep sacrifice Underworld Breach. This is not a combo piece. This is just simply getting extra value out of stuff in your graveyard. Um, and finally, one of my favorite enchantments of all time, Warstorm Surge. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. Uh, hey, throwing around lightning bolts in people's faces and then attacking them is uh, pretty exciting stuff. It is, and uh, Warstorm Surge, like uh, you had mentioned, is just one of those cards that's too good to pass up in a deck where you're consistently making tokens, especially uh, ones that are essentially lightning bolts. So uh, I think the artwork per uh, sums it up pretty well. You're making a lot of angry creatures that are just tossing lightning around, so... Uh, and and one of the things that actually makes Warstorm Surge work in this deck in comparison to some other decks is that you've probably already had Valduk equipped with an equipment or an aura, and maybe you've had one or two of them. Being able to put Warstorm Surge out at six mana before combat, um, you get a more immediate payoff than a toke uh, a deck that doesn't focus on tokens as much. So you do get some more immediate value out of casting a Warstorm Surge. Right, and it, uh, it's also in line with those other enchantments we've already talked about that can get around a strategy that might try to shut you out of attacking. 
uh, because this will simply uh, trigger on ETP. So if you're trying to uh, continuously uh, get some value out of your figure, but you're being denied that, uh, you know, that precious attack that, that the Sagra deck wants to do, um, Warstorm Surge is a good way to go. I might have also considered putting in here uh, another card like Pandemonium, which essentially does the same thing, but uh, given how fragile the deck can be if um, Valtuk himself is taken out, I shied away from putting that card in. Uh, which, uh, for those uh, for the listeners, uh, Pandemonium is essentially like Warstorm Surge, except it triggers off of everyone, so it's a reciprocal uh, effect on Warstorm Surge. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to look at your list of auras that you have here. Um, in a previous list, your your auras were a little more saturated uh, before you slipped switch back over. But I, I think the list that you still have here is pretty interesting. Um, we're going to look at Betrothed of Fire. It's a one, uh, one in one red uh, aura. Sacrifice an untapped creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Sacrifice enchanted creature. All creatures you control get plus two plus zero until end of turn. Um, this is, I find this is a pretty neat little aura that you can, you, in a des in an act of desperation, you can sacrifice Valduke to pump your board, but also making Valduke into sort of a Voltron, Voltron build in an emergency situation as well. Yeah, and so that uh, that I think um, fits very well with what uh, the deck wants to do, obviously, and just the philosophy of red, as we've discussed. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you here. I put this card in here just because I love this card so much. It's it's one of those cards that I've had uh, some experience with at the kitchen table. It's so fun, and yeah, the the value that it provides here is just uh, flexible again. And, and I mean. Valduk, like I find, um, ta you know, talking with some people uh, previously in the last few episodes, uh, sort of this this is the type of card that really kind of has the spirit of Commander, as well as just being a, a Magic player that's like, this is definitively like a pet card. Like, it manages to fit really well in this, and this is probably the only time I'm going to be able to play it in this type of deck. Oh yeah, definitely. Um... And I just, you know, I couldn't uh, pass up the flavor also. Veltuk is the Keeper of the Flame, and now he's going to be the throw to that fire. So, uh, fun. Very fun. Uh, next ore we got here, it's three and a red. Bloodfire Infusion. Um, with the clause that it can only enchant a creature you control. Meaning you can't just throw this arbitrarily on someone else's stuff. Um... It has red sacrifice enchanted creature, bloodfire infusion deals damage equal to the enchanted creature's power to each creature. So I guess with a bit of setup, this can be a board wipe. Right, and that's uh, that's essentially what the, the role that it's fulfilling in this deck is. Uh, it's something that I can keep in here to get you know a few tokens with uh, as time goes on, but it's primarily in there in case I need to pop it off and just clear the board and just kind of reset uh, with some of the other enchantments and artifacts they have that will pump uh, Valduk's power. Uh, this is perfect because he becomes really big and uh, this can act essentially as a second blasphemous act if I needed to. And only that, um, it's uh, like, even, even if you pop it at three power, 
which you probably won't be sitting at. But even at three power, that does get rid of quite a few utility creatures at base, uh, you know, at base level. Um, but the ceiling is definitely pretty ridiculous. And um, as as you've mentioned before, sort of having um, a, po a potential way to give Valduke a uh, a couple keywords. Um, there could definitely be some pretty noticeable payoff for having this this card go off. Right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look at bravado. Uh, Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control. Again, Valduke does not necessarily need to just go wide. You can also go tall with Valduke being your your Volt surprise. I call it sort of like the surprise Voltron. Everyone looks. I think ever, most people would look at the ability to make a bunch of elementals and be like, "All right, that's good enough." But uh, Valduk can also turn sideways. Yeah, definitely Valduk can turn sideways, and uh, you know, uh, with what you're uh, generating, uh, even if you know you just if this is the first thing that you get out with Valduk, um, it it's going to give you uh, that extra pump. But um, as time goes on, of course, it gets better and better. Uh, and it could also work with uh, Cranko, um, giving him a little bit of extra power in case you need to put him on him, uh, which will synergize particularly well since he cares about his power. Make tokens. But it also happens. It also manages to make him a little more tough, so he doesn't just die outright in combat. And yes, that's that's actually a good point that you brought up there. Uh, a lot of the auras that I have in here, and many of the ones that I had in here that I took out. Uh, were auras that gave Felduk extra power, but no extra toughness. So you ran into the issue of if you did want to go tall, or if you did want to turn him sideways as well, you might be facing uh, a situation where he, he looked pretty formidable in terms of his power, but if he gets uh, you know uh, blocked by a few uh, low uh, power tokens, then he would get taken out and your strategy would get disrupted. So having something like this that'll uh, beef up his uh, his defenses are also uh, is also really good for trying to get in with him and possibly going tall as well. I mean, I think there are a few enchantment or auras in particular that um, they don't necessarily scale up very well, but they do have the additional benefit of at least pumping toughness. So. Uh, you know, if you, the listeners, had a consideration uh, for possibly, like, a cheaper list, maybe you got some uh, draft chaff lying around of, like, these auras throughout Magic's history, um, you know, con perhaps consider throwing it in there if you want the extra security. Um, Definitely. Uh, if I, if I uh, were to try to get some extra security out of some, I would recommend the... Uh, the equipment that uh, that grant uh, you know extra toughness, uh, like the, the shield spheres. I know there's a pairs of fields that you know will give them like plus four, plus uh, five, or something of the sort. Um, if you're considering swinging in with him, that's a good way to just kind of give you that extra cushion, so that he doesn't uh, immediately die to the smallest of creatures that block him. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna look we're gonna look at the rest of your list here pretty quickly because. I think some of these are pretty self-explanatory, and some of them are pretty neat. Um, you have a Crown of Flames for one red. 
uh, with red, uh, enchanted creature goes plus one plus one until end of turn. Hey, it's fire breathing. Fire breathing's great. Um, and then it has the additional one of red return crown of flames to its owner's hand. Uh, protecting, being able to return an aura and then being able to recast it later for any reason. Uh, I think this is pretty neat. Yeah, there's uh, there's not a lot of them that do this. There was one that I had in here that is very similar that does uh, the whole thing you know, that you could bounce it to, uh, back up to your hand and get you fire breathing. Um, costs a little bit more to get out. You know, not much, just one. And and you can flash it out. And you can flash it out. But yes, that's true. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, definitely having something that you can bounce back if uh, things are going to go uh, wrong. Uh, you might want to do that uh, to have that uh, later on, you know, uh, just so that you can redeploy it. Yeah. Um, all right. Elemental Mastery. It's a uh, four mana aura with enchanted creature. Enchanted creature has tap, put X, one, one, red elemental creature tokens into, uh, with haste into play. Where X is, <clears throat> excuse me, where X is this creature's power, remove them from the game at end of turn. Hey, throw out some more elementals. That seems pretty neat. Right, and also I was going to say, speaking of uh, going tall, this is a perfect way to uh, go wide if you're going tall, right? So uh, with bravado, something like this uh, will be pretty spicy, I think. Also redundancy. Also redundancy, yes. It's good to have a certain amount of redundancy in the deck that way um, you, know, you can continue supporting your main strategy uh, with Eldok. Uh, we got Escape Velocity for one red. Uh, Enchanted Creature goes plus one plus one as Haste. It has an escape cost of one red and one, to, and also exiling two other cards from your graveyard. Uh, this is a recurrable aura. This is pretty self-explanatory, and it pumps Vel uh, Veldic's power. Uh, we have Eternal Warrior. Attacking does not cause target creature to tap. Right, so one of the more unusual uh, R's that I selected for the deck uh, simply just gives the creature uh, vigilance, is what it does. And uh, uh, if you're uh, going tall, uh, this is a particularly good card to have. If you want to try to use Veldic defensively. Um, and uh, it's also just really cheap at one red mana, so... We also have a uh, fire mantle uh, when it's put into the graveyard from play. Return fire mantle to its owner's hand. Enchanted creature goes plus one plus one in a turn for one red. More fire breathing. Fire breathing is pretty strong. Uh, flame speaker's will one red. Enchanted, uh, enchanted creature goes plus one plus one. Whenever enchanted creature deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice flame speaker's will if you do destroy target artifacts. Uh, artifact destruction utility on an aura is pretty neat. Uh, I don't think there's really too much to say about that. Um, lack, uh, Lackolith Rig, one red, whenever Enchanted Creature becomes blocked. You may have it deal damage equal to its power to target creature. If you do, Enchanted Creature no longer deals combat damage this turn. Um, I guess this is just simply a way to ensure that um, <coughs> if Valduke's blocked, he could just at least kill the creature. Uh, yes, you can do that, and I, I'm going to say that uh, even if you're not using it for that purpose so uh, as, a, as a kind of way to dissuade them from blocking you uh, you could also still use it uh, proactively right so you uh, hit somebody with it and um, 
you can get rid of a problematic creature that they wouldn't have otherwise blocked with. Yeah, that, that and, and it's, if you can at least, if, if they do just chump block it, like, you're like, alright, boom. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be... It doesn't even need to be the same... Uh, the same player attacking. So it could be someone exactly. else's. Uh, it, it's, you can use it politically. Let's work together. <laughs> just boom. Uh, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, next one, we've got Latilla's order, Orders. It's two mana. Uh, you can flash it in. Uh, whenever enchanted creatures will combat damage to defending player, you may have a destroy target artifact that player controls. Again, artifact removal, uh, considering you've sort of shoved aside your sorceries and instants in favor for this, I think this is pretty a pretty strong effect. Um, Maw mentality, one red, enchanted creature gains trample. If all non-wall creatures you control attack, enchanted creature gets plus X, plus O until end of turn, where X is equal to the number of attacking creatures. Uh, once again, uh, you're making a bunch of dudes. You can pump uh, Valduk. You can, uh, again, I mean, Vol Voltron definitely seems like a very viable strategy in this. Yeah, uh, Valduk is one of those guys that, uh, that can uh, definitely benefit from Voltron. I mean, it may not be... Uh, always the soundest strategy to go with in today's meta, but it's uh, it's one of my personal favorites, and um, Valduk is just one of those that gives you that flexibility to, to tall or wide. You know, go tall or wide. Uh, I, mob mentality. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, the, the yeah, mob mentality. <laughs> um, we're gonna, I'm gonna skip one, and we'll go back to it in a bit, because I, I do want to mention it along with another one you have mentioned, uh, you've, you've have on this list. Uh, we're going to talk about the Brute, where a target creature gets plus one, plus O for one and a red. Uh, but you can pay three red to regenerate target creature, the Brute Enchants, um, protecting your commander and potentially any other creatures is pretty important. Um, yes, uh, a very uh, unusual card, to say the least, but uh, one of the most unique auras uh, in red, I, I feel. Also... Especially... <laughs> The artwork is just the Hulk, basically. Yeah, this this dude uh, looks kind of like uh, Lex Luthor. Just had a really bad day and uh, hulked out. He's just kind of coming after you, so... Uh, pretty uh, interesting artwork there. And again, introducing... Uh, introducing... At least back in the day when Magic's uh, color wheel and all their philosophies and what they were allowed to do back then... Uh, having regenerate in red is pretty invaluable and especially in this um right and uh very very quickly i will say that this is uh if you have the mana for it good for uh surviving your blossoms act because Blossom's Act Ooh, true yes prevent you from regenerating your creatures so uh one of like i said the most i think underrated bars that could go in this deck uh Thunderous Might, uh, one to red. Uh, whenever an enchanted creature attacks, it gets plus X plus uh, O until end of turn, where X is your devotion to red. Uh, if you're playing a lot of auras, you got a few creatures out, uh, this will pop up, I'll do quite a bit. And uh, I think there there is some... Uh, I, I've used this card before in Standard at one point. Uh, it is pretty scary. It, just Just devotion in general is a pretty scary ability. Yeah, and uh, I think that this this card is obviously a little 
uh, more useful in the previous version of the Vic that I had, where I had more R's in there. But uh, even now, you know, just at the at the floor of it, providing you with uh, that extra creature for two is not bad, and then giving you that ability to swing in uh, for a little bit extra damage when you want to. Um, that's why I kept it around. Uh, so now we're going to swing back, and we're going to mention also the last aura on your list here. Uh, you put in Shiny Impetus, which is a 2 and a red Enchanted Creature has plus 2, plus 2, and is goaded. And whenever Enchanted Creature attacks, you create a treasure token. And then your other aura is also 2 and red, Val of Lightning. Uh, Enchanted Creature gets plus 2, plus 2, has first strike, and can't attack you or Planeswalker you control. Right, so uh, these are flexible auras in here. You can use them on uh, Valduk if you want to give them a little extra, uh, you know, payoff, uh, so you're going to get a little more uh, elementals out of it, or you can you know, just pump his power with it, or you can use it as uh, pseudo-removal for your opponent's problematic creatures uh, so that they don't swing in at you. Uh, I think that this uh, is more effective against uh, decks that might rely on you know either very big creatures coming at you, or perhaps uh, another Voltron, uh, Voltron strategy. Uh, since uh, the defenses in this deck can get, uh, or the shields in this deck can go down more often than not. So Shiny Impetus and Battle Lightning, I think, are two of the best lords that you have in here if you want to have flexibility with that strategy. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Shiny Impetus because at least you're, able to make, you're capable of making your treasure. Um, I do like uh, how Battle Lightning gives for Strike. And I think that's definitely an understated ability, especially when you want to win, uh, win your combat exchanges with people. Um, but yeah, that's th these are I think these are two of your neatest inclusions on this list. I'm a big fan. Um, we're kind of coming up to the last leg of this. We're going to talk about your artifacts. I think some of these are pretty self-explanatory, and there's a few other ones I think um, definitely help. Um, in numerous other ways, in other ways. Um, so you got Cold Steel Heart, you have, um, you have Fire Diamond, you got Heraldic Banner, which you choose a color when it enters the battlefield and it, you, uh, creatures you control that color get, um, plus one, plus O, and you're able to tap it for mana. Uh, you have, uh, uh, you have Mind Stone and you have Soul Ring. Uh, these are just simply ramp pieces. Some of them synergize with your board, and they or or just keep you in the game. Uh, also, notice you have Explorer Scope because being able to put a land off the top of your deck, I think, is pretty. It's always fun, even if you don't get it. You're like, oh, I look at the top, there's nothing there. Right, and uh, this this could be particularly useful if you're trying to some of those uh, cards that we've discussed that give you that impulse draw uh, that. You know, we'll give you some knowledge of what's coming up. That way, you can decide whether it is uh, something that you want to play off the top. So I think that this is uh, for a one-man artifact that only costs one to equip. A very useful uh, equipment that might otherwise get overlooked in other other decks. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go through another few lists of stuff here. Uh, Black Blade Reforged, a quick creature gets plus one plus one for each land you control, and you can equip to a legendary creature for three. Uh, Valduk likes being big. 
Um, pretty self-explanatory. Commander's Plate, a quick creature gets plus three plus three and has protection from each color that's not in your commander's color identity. Getting protection from basically everything but red uh, is pretty cool. Um, uh, mirror Shield, uh, a quick creature gets uh, plus zero plus two and has hexproof and whatever creature with distress blocks or becomes blocked by this creature, destroy that creature. Uh, just so you don't get blown out by death touch dudes. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Nettle Cyst, it has living weapon, but it also says equip creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Um, you told me uh, that you switch this out, uh, you put this in in exchange for taking out Helm of the Gods. Yes, so Helm of the Gods was in there originally uh, given my concentration of enchantments that I had in the first uh, iteration of this deck, but uh, Nettle Cyst... Uh, I think, even though it's a little more expensive to cast than to equip, uh, just works a little better given given the distribution that I've gone with now between equipment and artists. Um, Ring of Zathred, I think, is pretty interesting because of the regenerate, uh, rather than the uh, putting a plus one counter on the equip creature if it's black. I imagine, yeah, protecting Valduke again. Uh, just like the Brute, uh, I think that's pretty neat. Uh, Skull Clamp, equip, whatever equipped creature dies, draw two cards. You're going to be throwing this on your three ones. They get negative one, they die, you draw cards. Um, Swift of Boots, equipped creature has Hexproof and Haste. Uh, Sword of the Animus, whenever equipped creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it into play. Uh, Trailblazer's Boots, uh, equipped creature has non-basic landwalk. Even in monocolor decks, there are quite a few utility lands um, that make this make this card really good. Um, right, exactly. Uh, also, this is just another element to support that going uh, tall strategy. So, if you uh, do need to get Veltic in on somebody uh, that's uh, being uh, a little uh, evasive, or maybe is getting a lot of life or something of the sort, uh, Trailblazers and Boots and other similar effects like uh, Prowler's Helm or even Hot Soup. Uh, are very useful for trying to, you know, to continue your strategy, but with uh, with that alternate route, you know, the, the going tall, trying to maybe commander damage them out of the game. Yeah, and 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 I got the last card here uh, before we go, kind of mention some particulars. Uh, Zephyr Boots from Strixhaven. Equipped creature has flying. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, then discard a card. Looting is pretty sweet. Uh, again, going tall with Valduke, or even possibly slipping it onto uh, another creature. Uh, again, neat synergy. Really like it. It's a it's a good card. Um, but let's talk about the last few cards that I'm looking at here that I that are are pretty good. Um, we'd mentioned Death Touch and Lifelink before a lot. Um, there are a few cards that really synergize with having a creature with these abilities. So Bassless Caller, uh, Equip Creature has Death Touch and Lifelink with Valduke, and uh, like you mentioned before, the likes of Hellrider, um, using Bloodfire Infusion, uh, and a few other things. Uh, also potentially bringing your life back up from the red zone uh, and putting you back up to a pretty healthy life total. Uh, it's pretty important in this kind of deck. 
Right, uh, that's actually why I put it in here, was just to kind of give me that cushion uh, for uh, the crackback, because I realized that uh, that if you don't have your defenses up, you're gonna, your life is going to get pretty low uh, very quickly. Plus, the death touch might disincentivize people from blocking, uh, or even attacking if you don't attack with Eldex, so yeah, you can uh, do multiple things. Pretty, pretty, pretty good equipment. And always really welcomed in uh, in a red deck like this. Um, crystal Chimes, a three mana artifact with three tap sacrifice Crystal Chimes. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to your hand. Considering that you've you've have this sort of balance, it, it's more it's not as useful as it was in your first iteration. But I still think that there are a lot of really good uh, enchantments that you'd want to bring back with this. Sure. So, uh, yes, uh, that's essentially what it's in here for. Uh, and because it can return all enchantments, uh, it can get you back some of those uh, uh, support cards, you know, like uh, Impact Tremors or Warform Surge and so on and so forth, uh, if they happen to get removed uh, from the game. Uh, I did just want to mention here that uh, the card that I had in there that, did a, that filled a similar role in my previous uh, build was... Uh, Scarab of the Unseen. Scarab of the Unseen from Alliances, a very old and dinky uh, artifact that uh, lets you return all ours attached to the creature uh, back to your hand. So it was a way to just kind of extend the life of those auras if they were going to, or if Wild Duck was going to uh, uh, get destroyed or exiled, or so on and so forth. Plus it draws your card to the end of the next upkeep. So uh, very good uh, for, you know, just Defending what you're doing, and also, at the very least, if you don't need it, you could just crack it and get caught. Um, next one we're talking about. Uh, this one you had explained to me. I still don't understand banding, but also I'll kind of let you take this one. Helm of uh, Chatzuk. Yes, Helm of Chatzuk. Uh, a, another pet card of mine. Uh, it's a one-cost, uh, one-mana-cost artifact that says uh, pay one tap creature gains banding until end of turn uh, so looking at uh, what the official uh, keyword ability is uh, it says here that uh, banding is any creature with banding and up to one uh, without banding can attack in a band bands are blocked as a group if any creatures with banding you control are blocked uh, or being blocked by a creature uh, sorry blocking or being blocked by a creature you divide that creature's combat damage not its controller among any of the creatures uh, it's being blocked by or is blocking. Uh, so the uh, the way to kind of understand, or the way that I've uh, understood understood it before, is that uh, you give banding to, you know, for example, Valduk, and you're swinging in with uh, X amount of elementals. You can pair an elemental that does not have banding with him. So now Valduk and this elemental are going to be attacking as a band, um, and if that is blocked, Valduk and the elemental that is, you are going to, as the controller of that card of banding, you are going to distribute any damage that would be caused to this group uh, as a result of your opponent blocking it, um, you know, however you choose rather than however they choose. So if you want to point all the damage over to the elemental, uh, it's kind of a way to uh, maybe get a bit of a damage in with uh, Valduk uh, and spare him potentially getting removed from the board by combat. 
I, another... I, I'm still low key mad. You, this, you put this in the deck. <laughs> I, I was it's going to so say that frustrating. There, there was another card that I wanted to put in here that does a pretty similar, similar thing. Yeah, called Baton de Morel, uh, but you have to pay three to give a creature banding. Uh, very fun card, uh, but uh, I took it out because it, it's. Uh, it costs a little bit more to get going, and uh, Suk is just uh, uh, much more efficient at doing the same thing. So, yeah, I think I it. I mean, paying one mana to cast it and then one mana to activate it is just yeah, that's that's pretty great. Um, the last two cards I want to talk about on your list here. There, there's a couple that we haven't really touched on, but I think that this really just kind of. Uh, finishes off the list pretty much by itself. Uh, Stranic Resonator, it's a two-mana artifact where you pay two and you tap it to copy target triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy, aka when you go to combat and you're attempting to make uh, elementals with Valduke, you activate the Stranic Resonator, doubling the effect, and doubling the effect is always powerful. Right, exactly. Uh, wanting to uh, get as much value as possible out of what you're doing is always essential, and Stranded Resonator really works uh, very well with the deck, just like Harmonic Prodigy does. So it's just another way to uh, extend your strategy out a bit more. And finally, uh, this card is a house in any deck that utilizes it, because Sundown of the Infinite just simply says, pay one, tap, end the turn, Activate this ability only during your turn. Um, when the elementals are... Before you go to the end step with Valduke's elementals, or even uh, Storm Herald, which we had mentioned way earlier, uh, whenever things are going to be exiled, whenever things are going to be sacrificed, whenever something is supposed to happen at the end step, you can just simply say, no, and you just end the turn. Right, and... Uh... Not only does it work well with those two cards, it also works really well with Underworld's Breach. Uh, yes. You're going to the end step, so you can have a sort of a very small uh, combo that can help you, uh, you know, just constantly churn through um, things that might be in your graveyard and stick them back onto the battlefield. So. Well, uh, well, well, you do say that, but the problem is at the beginning of the end step, meaning that even after. Even after keeping it on your board for that turn, uh, the minute it hits the end step of an opponent's turn, it it leaves. And outside of, a, I think, one spell or something that you've had in here that has haste, the only other one is Thrill of... or, or Flash, sorry. Uh, the only card that you might be able to flash back is Thrill of Possibility. And you know what? Yes, you're absolutely right about that. I did not uh, read the bottom of that card. Uh, they put it on there for a reason? Yeah, it's that makes sense. Broken. That way you can't abuse it. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so I stand correct by the statement that I had explained is not true. Uh, listen to Cole on this one. <laughs> I mean, it's if if there was some way to activate Sundial of the Infinite every turn, I think that would also just be ridiculously busted, and that card would just not be in. <laughs> it just wouldn't be in Commander. It's just yes, like, well, well, I just the, end your turn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Sundial, I was aware that you could only activate at the Sorcery. It was the Underworld Breach that I thought uh, said at the beginning of your instead. Uh, yeah. So that, that's where my my uh, mistake was there. Remember, everyone, uh, read your cards. Yes, uh, <laughs> reading the card uh, explains the card, as they say. And uh, definitely. 
I tell that Underworld Breach was one of those uh, cards that I swapped in, so... I don't know, it's, it's just a good card. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it. No, no, no. Uh, not, I think not, especially in the way that I'm using it this day. Uh, but going back to Sundell of the Infinite, that's definitely, like you said, the house. Uh, it's it's uh, one of the backbones of the deck. If you can keep those elementals around uh, for longer than you know, than you, uh, that they would normally stick around, that, uh, that's going to be pretty intimidating. That's going to be pretty useful. And with that, uh, kind of after going through the whole bulk of your deck, uh, that's it for talking about Valduke, Keeper of the Flame. Josh, thanks for coming on and talking about your deck. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed, enjoyed talking about it, and, uh, you know, uh, I think that, uh, that it's it's a fun fun deck as I've mentioned before. Yeah, I think uh, choosing an alternative route than the bog standard sort of uh, general public opinion, I guess, is what I'd say is that sure you could do artifacts and there's a lot of artifact synergies, but I think if you really kind of dig deep, you can find some pretty interesting auras and aura synergies in red. Um, just as a last thing, everyone, before we go, uh, you may be able to see Josh and you may be able to see me play EDH over on our buddy's channel uh, over on Twitch. Just look up Junehawk. Uh, we're going to be playing with Phil usually every Sunday. Um, and you may get to see um, Valduke in action, along with possibly some other decks that have been mentioned on previous episodes. Um, with that, everyone, have a good day. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time.